Church, have a seat. Have a seat. There is nothing like being together and worshipping together. Isn't it the most special space that we can all collectively lean in to a great God and in one voice we get to tell him how incredible he is. He's a good God. He's a very good God. Let me pray for you before we move into our time of um, learning together. God, I'm just so grateful. I'm grateful that you are present. You are present in this place with us today, but you're also present with us as we leave. God, thank you that your message of grace and hope is both simple and complex. God, thank you that you have given us a great um, community full of incredible people with hands that are open and ready and hearts ready to lean in and learn. And so, God, I pray over this next time together, I ask that you, you help us. You help us grab a hold of something, something we may already have known for years, but we need a fresh grasp on. God, I ask that you help us. Help us listen. Help us learn. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Okay, so today... I've been told I have to stand up here. Yes, I'm getting the thumbs up from Greg. Okay. Um, I, I think looking around the room, I know most people here, but if, if you haven't met me before, my name is Avril and I'm on the pastoral team here at Kingsway Church. And one of my most favourite things is to learn. Okay, I love it. love it so much that I've studied to teach and it's part of what I do with my week. I love to learn, I love to teach, and I love that Jesus loved both of those things too. Okay? And so today, as we focus on why we serve, I'm going to take us on a bit of a learning adventure. Okay? We're going to look at a few different things that have taught me along the way, the most important of whom is Jesus. So spoiler alert. Okay? Spoiler alert. Now, why do we serve? Serving is a natural offering prompted by love. Serving is a natural offering prompted by love. Serving is love in action. Serving is love in action. And before we get too far into it, let me just read you a verse from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, and it says this. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. If I was to spend a moment with each of you and have a really good conversation with each of you individually, it wouldn't take me long to realise how incredible God has created you and the gifts that he has placed within you. There is not a single person that I've ever met who didn't have something of value to offer to someone else. God has created each of us with a way to serve others. Do you have the gift of speaking? 
then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Now, my prayer for you each today is as we travel through this, that you might be able to grab a hold of something. And I believe someone needs to hear this today. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. If you have been serving God, if you have been serving others for so long and you are tired, listen again as I say, Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. That God supplies. At no point today do I want you to feel like serving is striving. It is not. Serving is an act of love and we do it with all that God gives us. then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. You have been created with something incredible. And God has positioned you in a way, in a place for you to share that with others, with the energy that he gives you. Can I introduce you to my very first teacher in serving? Now, I'm going to break all the rules because I'm actually getting off the stage now. I'm really sorry if you're watching YouTube and I'm about to move. So Greg's putting his head in his hands. (laughs) Sorry, Greg. (laughs) This was my first teacher. (laughs) This is, is, yes, yes. I knew I'd make a few people happy. (laughs) This is called... An overhead projector. Okay, an overhead projector. Give me a wave if you know what an overhead projector is. Okay, great. So everyone, I don't know, people at the back probably didn't see. There's a group of people over here who are definitely under the age of 20 whose hands were very firmly by their sides when I asked that. This is an overhead, let me teach you some things. This is an overhead projector. And when I was younger, this was the very first job I had in the church. Okay. Overhead projectors. It was an important job. It was a very important job. It was how we saw the words during worship. It took an incredible amount of spatial awareness. Okay, and when I was younger, for the very first time, someone said, Avril, we need your help. Made me feel like on top of the world. We need your help. Can you look after the overhead projector? I was so pumped. I was so pumped that they would consider me at about nine years old to be worthy of this job. So let me tell you all the things that the overhead projector taught me, okay? The first one, oh, yes, look at me go. I've still got it, people. I've still got it. I got to participate. When we spend time, particularly with the young people in our community, they just want to play a part. 
I was desperate to play a part. I was desperate to participate. And somebody said, Avril, I think you can do this. And I was absolutely chuffed. And so I took this job incredibly seriously because I got the chance to participate in something that was bigger than myself. I got the chance to sit at the front and yes, you think that doing words at the back is hard. Overhead projector, you had to sit at the front of the church. Okay? (laughs) And everyone saw you. Couldn't put a step out of place, but I got to participate. You ready for the next slide? (laughs) Look at that. When I served others, I could make a positive impact. I could make a positive impact. I could also make a negative impact. I tell you what, there were many times when we were seeing shouts of the Lord or ancient of days that I made a negative impact. When I served others, I was using the power that I had. The power that I had. Now, it doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been in the church, whether this is your first service or whether it's your 101st service. It doesn't matter. We all carry a certain power within us. By our age, by our size, we have a power that we bring into this space. Whatever interaction we're in, we hold a power, power there, whether it's in the church or outside of it. And I had the power of the overhead projector. No one could sing the correct words unless I got it right. There was a power I had and I could use it well or I could use it poorly. When I served others, I learnt that I was going to learn (laughs) from my mistakes. Does anyone ever actually, give me me a wave, did did anyone share this job? Does anyone share this experience with me? The overhead Okay. Let me give everyone else a bit of a lesson. It was really hard to know which way was up and which way was front and which way it should sit. And so it was really easy to actually end up <laughs> getting confused <laughs> about where things, where things should go. And I learnt... I learnt from my mistakes. And this is the coolest one, I think. When I served others, I discovered that I belonged. I sat at the front of the church, and yeah, everyone saw me when I made a mistake, but people valued me and understood that I was doing the very best I could. I was contributing something at that age that was actually impacting the church and the people around me. I was helping people get closer to God. I didn't really fully understand that at that age, but I understood that it was important. I understood I had a role to play. I understood that I belonged to something bigger than myself, something greater than myself. And the cool thing is, I better turn the overhead projector off. Give me a moment. There we go. 
cool thing is that God understands this. He did that on purpose. He calls us. He calls us. He creates us in a way to jump in and be a part of something bigger, to show what love looks like. Now, often in the Bible, the Gospels, Jesus is called a rabbi. We hear that often as you read through the scriptures. Jesus is referred to as rabbi, and what that means is teacher. Jesus is teacher. Now, rabbi wasn't a a term that was only solely used for Jesus. It's still a common term in many places in the world, and particularly at that time too. There were many rabbis, and rabbis had disciples. So Jesus was called a rabbi, and he had his disciples. Jesus was teacher. And the disciples would follow a rabbi because... For them, learning was about imitating someone who possessed the skills they wished to have. So when they learnt, they were imitating someone who possessed the skills they had. It wasn't the traditional teacher-classroom relationship that we're used to today. This is a different way of learning, more like an apprenticeship. Because even more than acquiring Jesus' knowledge of the scriptures, the disciples wanted to acquire his character and internal grasp on God. Every interaction that Jesus had was a teaching moment for those who were with him. His life, his interactions, his words were teaching experiences. A disciple did not grasp the full significance of his teacher's learning in all its nuances except through close association with his rich and profound mind. The disciples stuck with him. Yes, we understand that there was a deep love and friendship that they shared. But they were also gathering very close to him because they understood that that was how they were going to learn. They wanted to imitate their rabbi. They were learning by watching. They were learning by listening. They were learning by travelling and walking beside him. And I believe there's something in that for me today. The life of Jesus is still accessible to me. And my job as a learner is to stick close to Jesus and pay attention to his life so that I can completely understand all that I can in the space that I'm in to really fully appreciate who he is and how he wants me to live as well. Rabbi, teacher. And with that in mind... I would love us to look at John chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. So if you have your Bible, you can look at at it and read along with me. In true Avril fashion, I will be telling the story and pausing and chatting as we go. I'm sorry if that frustrates you, um, but that's, that's that's how we're rolling today. So John chapter 13. 
This is a teachable moment. A rabbi and his disciples. Before the Passover celebration... Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave the world and return to his father. And this, is, this, this is beautiful. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and now he loved them to the very end. A deep, wide love that didn't finish thousands of years ago a deep, wide, expansive love that I get to delight in today. His love for his disciples. It was time for supper and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. Jesus understood his position. He understood the power he had in that moment. He understood his responsibility. He understood that he was rabbi teacher. He understood that he had something to pass on. He understood that when he spoke, they would listen. He had power and he was ready to use it well. My wondering is, wonder what you're going to do with the power and resources you've been given. It's a wondering question. What are we going to do? There are some things in the Bible that I just love that are there. <laughs> We're about to read a verse that I just love is in here. It says, So, understanding the power he had, so, he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Let's, just, let's pause for a second. That's in the Bible. It's not talking about any, anything particularly profound or is it? It's a list of things that Jesus did. It would be like me going, having someone narrate my life. There goes Avril, jumping out of bed and putting her shoes on in the morning. Why is that important? But in here in the Bible it says, So, he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. He was, this is the action. We know about the love. We understand he had a, had a grasp on the power he had in the situation and now he was acting. He was moving. He was doing something so normal and so average and so uh, oh, just everyday mundane. But he was doing something. He was serving. He wasn't asking someone else to do it for him. He wasn't expecting someone else to do it for him. He poured water into a basin. It's love in action. In the most boring way. <laughs> My Jesus poured water into a basin. Why? He began to wash the disciples' feet drying them with the towel he had around him. Jesus wasn't afraid 
to get in and do a job that needed to be done. He wasn't worried about serving. He wasn't even worried about what he did to serve. He wasn't worried that perhaps some people might consider it beneath him. He wasn't worried about what it would look like. He wasn't worried that it wasn't part of his job description. He actually just poured water into a basin and got the job done. Because his love for his people was so deep. His understanding of the power he held was so intense. And when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Simon Peter wasn't the first person that Jesus had gone to. We knew Jesus has already washed a few people, washed the feet of a few. And Peter gets down to here. He gets to Peter and Peter says, are you going to wash my feet? Like, really, Peter? You just, you just saw it. You're going to wash my feet. You're going to wash my feet? It's okay you wash my friend's feet, but you're going to wash my feet? I've seen you wash everyone else's, but my feet? You're going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. And this is, this is important. No. Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. It's okay for you to wash someone else's, but not mine. I'm on board with what you're doing here, but no, you are not washing my feet. Completely challenged by those words. Because when we read it, we think, oh, Peter, what a goose. Doesn't he understand what's really going on here? Oh, Peter. Oh, Peter. He put it, he's put his foot in it often. But my deep gut response to that moment is I would have said the same thing. My mess... My stuff, my shame, the things I'm hiding from everyone else, the stuff that I've got going on in my life that I don't want people to know about, it's my stuff. I'm really good at hiding some stuff. Don't come near me. Don't want you to deal with it. You can help other people. You can serve other people. You can heal other people. You can love other people, but not me. Church, the humble thing to do is to let Jesus serve us. To let Jesus actually deal with the deepest, ugliest parts of us. The stuff we want other people to deal with. Jesus is there going, let me serve you. Let me help you. There's more than this. Well, I have better for you. But we need to open our hearts and put our pride aside and say, okay, all right, this is the worst of me. This is the grossest, Peter's probably like, this is the grossest part of my body right now. But okay, 
it's okay. You can take it. You can look at it. You can clean it up. Jesus replied to Peter, he said, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. There is more. I have to be allowed to serve you. And Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well. Take it all. Take it all. Lord, (laughs) not just my feet. You can have it all. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. And that is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. And after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I am doing? You call me teacher and Lord and you are right because that's what I am. His disciples have followed him and listened to him and watched him and and imitated him. He was their teacher. And Jesus was saying, this is who I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to watch, wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done for you. Following Jesus is a day-by-day-by-day decision. Allowing Jesus to wash and, be, and help me with the worst parts of myself is a day-by-day-by-day decision. But the minute I do, I'm led to a better place with him and I am able to follow his example and help other people in the same way. Why do we serve? We serve so we can follow his example. He did it first. Over and over we see in the life of Jesus, along with his disciples, what serving others and love in action actually looks like. If we want to understand what serving with humility is, we reread John 13. If we all want to understand what serving with conviction looks like, we read John 8 when Jesus stops people from stoning that woman. If we want to understand what serving with patience looks like, we can read in John 3 when Jesus met Nicodemus in the dark place on his own terms, in his own way. If we want to understand what serving with purpose looks like, we read about what Jesus making breakfast for his disciples and commissioning them into the next stage of their ministry. If we want to understand what serving with kindness looks like, we can read about Jesus befriending the outcasts like Zacchaeus in Luke 19. If we want to understand what serving with love looks like, we can go straight to our teacher in the scriptures and see him heal the lepers. If we want to understand what serving with compassion looks like. We can go straight to the Gospels and see our Jesus raising the widow's son in Luke chapter 7. And ultimately, if we want to understand and see serving with strength and bravery and a depth of love that is completely beyond my understanding, we can read the crucifixion and the resurrection. For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
Jesus is my teacher. He is my example. If I want to understand what serving others is, if I want to understand what love looks like, I go here. I go to my scriptures. I see Jesus in action. See, Jesus was ensuring that all who would observe his life at that time in history and even today understood what it looked like to love others out loud. And he's calling all of us to serve like he served and love like he loved. It is not... It is not to be a burden. It is not to come at a, at a cost to all that we have and are. Serving is simply following what Jesus did and relying on him to give us the energy and the resource to do it. I want to share a bit of a story with you <laughs> um, about, about a time when I was a bit of a mess and I said yes to serving in a place where I didn't feel like I had everything I could give. And I don't know if you've ever been in a similar situation. It was the end of the school year and I was tired, very, very tired and it was the week before Christmas and I was asked to go down to the TOPS Conference Centre and to serve on a camp. And I knew that it was a good thing to do. I wasn't sure I had all that I needed to do it. And so when you, I think when you're in that position, you can, you can get a little bit... Ah, just it's, ah, There was a lot of sighing going on. I've got this. We can do this. It's almost holiday time. I can make it. I can make it. Come on, Jesus. You can do this with me. It's going to be okay. And it was a camp for, for young people. It was a camp for young leaders. And I'm wondering, Jesse D might have been there. I'm not quite sure if you were there this year. And so during this whole time, we were. I was mentoring this small group of girls and I had to sit on the floor for days in these sessions, and I'm too old, I'm sorry. I know some of you will shake your head at me and go, oh, Abs, what are you talking about? But I've hit that age. I cannot sit on the floor for days anymore. I'm owning it, okay? I'm owning it. But I was on the floor with these kids. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. I could get a chair, but, oh, no, then I wouldn't be far, would be far away from them. And, oh, okay, well, all right. Suck it up. <laughs> we'll be right. And we took them through a whole lot of sessions and a whole lot of learning and, and it was a, actually a really great time and I was, I was starting to be really glad I was there and, and, and praise God he gave me what I needed to do what I needed to help these young girls. And on the, one of the last days, the organisers said, we're going to give the children an opportunity to serve. Sounds great. And so they'd organised all of these special activities for these young people to do and one of them was to go to the nursing home at Stanwell Park. And, and I was put in charge <laughs> of taking these children to the nursing home. Thankfully, there was an, another 
awesome leader, my friend Vanessa was with us, but we ended up, most of the children decided they wanted to go to the nursing home. So someone put me in charge of a bus and I loaded the children into a bus and I I drove them down the hill. That was an adventure. And we got to the nursing home. I gathered them outside. I said, guys, just for your information, they're going to want us to sing Christmas carols. What are we going to sing? So we came up with a list of songs and, yeah, we'll be right, we'll be right. This is what to expect. You have to sit beside them. What are some questions we could ask them? We talked it all out. And I walked into the nursing home in front of them and these beautiful ladies there said, oh, we'll send you through to the dementia ward. And I said, I thought, oh, no. This is going to get interesting. So I had 20 children... I'd prep them to work with these elderly people, but I thought dementia wards are a completely different kettle of fish. So I said, thank you, that would be wonderful. And inside I'm thinking, oh, goodness, Jesus, you're really going to have to help us out here. And I walked all these young people into the dementia ward and I just stood back and watched these incredible children, without a hint of hesitation, walked straight up to these elderly people and sat beside them and just started talking to them. And I had this moment of going, God, this is what servanthood looks like. They're putting themselves aside and they're using what they have and the resources at their, their disposal, and they're doing what they can. And so I did what every good teacher does, and I just kind of wandered the room, just checking in on all the young people and making sure everyone was okay. And they were doing a great job, and our time came to sing, and so we stood up in front of, in front of these beautiful elderly people, and we did a terrible job <laughs> of singing Christmas carols. It was absolutely shocking. But the kids did their very best. And at the very end, I'm thinking, thank goodness we're done. All right, it's time to get everyone back on the bus and back to the campsite. And so we're done. And out in the corner of the nursing home in this room, this older gentleman who'd said nothing so far, the kids had tried their best, but he hadn't said anything. This older gentleman started to sing and without missing a beat, the kids joined in. They just started to sing with him. And I thought, isn't that the most beautiful picture of what servanthood is? You bring what you have, the resources you have, No matter how low or high, no matter who you're with, no matter what you're doing, you choose to love people. And so these young people finished the Christmas carol. They re-sang it with this older gentleman. And as they were leaving, 
these kids were buzzing with excitement. The energy that they got from serving, from looking after others, from showing love, from responding to what God was doing, that God would use them to help this older gentleman engage in the season. They were on cloud nine. It's what servanthood looks like. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter whether it's in this place or in your, in your spheres of influence elsewhere, you respond with love and use what God has given you to do that. Let me pray for you all. God, I am so grateful. I'm grateful that you choose me. I'm grateful that you have given me gifts so that I can use them to love and bless others for your sake. God, I pray for everyone in our congregation, in our church, who is serving, whether it's here or elsewhere, whether it's in their homes or in their workplaces. God, I ask that you bring an awareness, that you help them understand the importance of what they're doing, that you completely resource them with all of the energy they need to love people well, to serve people in a way that would have them wondering who you are to serve people in a way that would have them interested in learning more about Jesus. God, I just thank you so much for the decades and decades of people who have served across our church and across our community in intentional, purposeful ways that have helped people become closer to you. So God, today I pray that you help us that you help us not just understand what serving is, not just understanding why we should serve, but I ask that you help us to serve. And may we never forget that you are our example of that. Thank you, God, for the way you serve me. Thank you, God, for the way you served us. Thank you, God, that you would happily take all of us and that you would continue to wash and clean and help us be all you have created us to be. May, you, may we have eyes to see where you want us to serve and show what love looks like. And I pray these things in your name. Amen.